Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a lot of games such as Injustice 2, a possible Zelda smartphone game, and we also have some news about the future of Hitman and Mass Effect. As always, we have a stellar lineup of podcasters to talk about all the games that have released this week or are going to release soon. First up is our games editor Rishi Albani. I think the term stellar is kind of debatable, much like the quality of Injustice 2, but we'll get to that in a moment. Greetings. Yeah, we will. And friend of the podcast Mikhail Madnani. Hello. And I'm your host Pranay Parab. So Rishi, I think first of all we should talk about Injustice 2 since that is probably the biggest release in gaming recently. Yeah, so Injustice 2 for Wait, those Wait, what? You mean Injustice 2 is bigger than Disgaea 5 complete on Nintendo Switch? Oh. Registered okay. trademark, am yes. I right? <laughs> no. Anyway, jokes aside, yeah, Injustice 2 for those of you who don't know is a sequel to Injustice Gods Among Us. which was a fighting game that came out on the Xbox 360 and PS3 at the tail end of their life cycle. Uh it was interesting in a lot of ways because it built upon uh a lot of what we saw in Marvel uh, sorry it, a lot of what we saw in Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe which was one of the last games developed uh by NetherRealms when they were owned by uh Midway Studios. And after Midway shut down, uh NetherRealms got bought by Warner Brothers and they made Mortal Kombat 9 and then they made Injustice uh, Gods Among Us, which is a very fun competent fighting game. Uh it is very easy to get into, very uh, easy to play. It had a huge roster of characters and it had a quite it had a story that was basically bonkers. It involved parallel universes, it involved multiple variants of several characters and it involved a lot of uh, who killed who. nonsense fly flying around as well it ended with superman basically spoiler alert by the way it ended up with superman being the ruler of or, so, or, or trying to be the ruler of the world and batman and his merry gang taking him down that's how it ended uh what was really nice was compared to other fighting games there was actually a robust story mode and this also continues in injustice too except uh if you haven't played the first one the second one starts off in a really uh, weird fashion because you don't understand exactly what went down so you need to have played the first game or at least read up on it but what's interesting is um the focus on on the fact that you the story is yeah just as is just as balls to the wall crazy where you're where you're, where you're, the main focus though even though DC and and Warner Brothers and NetherRealm do want to show off the fact that Brainiac is the big bad villain who you're supposed to, you know, square off against. The actual story is basically about two groups of superheroes hating on each other because they have different views on the death penalty. That is essentially <laughs> the game storyline in a nutshell. So yeah. one group of superheroes run by Batman, another one by Superman. Superman and friends believe that, you know, villains should pay and they should die while batman and friends believes that it's okay to leave people in a state of serious brain damage as long as they live in a vegetative state but as long as they live so that's a basic backdrop and to be honest the gameplay hasn't changed much over the first game which i found really disappointing if i compare the difference between mortal kombat 9 and mortal kombat 10 or x as some people call it there is a huge difference in the way how you perform combos and even the pace of play has changed up quite a bit but here it just seems to be more of the same it hasn't changed much at all and i thought that i was wrong while thinking that but then i booted up the first game as well because it got a port to the ps4 so i got i booted up as well and realized that the pace of play is almost the same how you conduct yourself in terms of combos is almost the same so there's very little difference which is a which is a good thing if you're a fan of the first game there's very little to keep you back from playing this because it's almost the same rule set you're not too, there's not not too much of a difference the only difference is um 
within justice 2 you roll forward which is uh, to a variant attack which is possible now and in case you get caught up in a in a huge combo from an enemy and you're suspended and and you're in mid air you can escape that as well so that those are two interesting additions but by and large it just plays like the first game what's really cool it has some really really awesome super moves so if you're playing as aquaman you can actually yes aquaman is one of the coolest characters here for one simple reason is you can actually summon the ocean and a gigantic killer whale to go with it to you know dole out massive damage on your enemies which is some some really cool stuff is that is that the same as what it was in the first one first one was because that shark came and like just took a bite and ran away or whatever this is more grand it's a killer whale not a okay. shark sharks are peasants in comparison okay. so uh, and and batman this time around instead of instead of having the batmobile run run over your opponents you actually have them suspended in air by with the bat jet and the bat jet shoots them down which is really cool and brainiac lets you well summon tentacles from an alien ship to like push up enemies really high and stuff so it's got some really cool super moves it's very flashy it looks really nice but at the end of it if you played the first one there's nothing really new in terms of gameplay yeah the super moves were quite cool even in the first game i remember playing that and uh, what i also noticed was in the lead up to the game i saw so many like videos about all these uh, pre game animations in which like uh, characters are punching each other and the flash like suddenly punches the other guy and you know he's waiting he's talking to him while that guy's face is moving in slow motion so the things like that are very cool also notice that facial animations in this game in justice 2 looked very cool in the videos i saw i haven't played it yeah the production values are stellar no mm-hmm. doubt about it it's probably one of the best looking games on consoles right now and yes the, the facial animations are also pretty nice in fact what's really cool is that in some of the cut scenes in the story mode you actually see very nuanced eye animations like this and very nuanced facial animations so something as subtle as a nod actually conveys a whole lot more which is really really nice and these are interesting touches but the core gameplay has remained completely unchanged which to me is a, a bit of a disservice considering the first game was 4 years ago yeah you'd expect that they worked more on that but that aside the other point of concern is that the game well follows a very amusing monetization model So you're not just paying three, four, nine, nine, or sixty dollars for the game. You have something called a gear system, and as you play the game, you your character, your players level up as well. So each match you play gives you, uh, lets you level up your strength, lets you level up your defense abilities and stuff like that. Now, in principle, it's an interesting thought because uh, it basically marries free-to-play mobile game design with uh, fighting games, and that's a nice and that's a nice idea. at least from a, from from a from a from a pure design standpoint to see how that works but the fact of the matter is fighting games depend heavily on balance and the very fact that you're rewarding people who play more with a stat increase over others is a point of concern now while netherrealms has said that this that the stat increase isn't big enough to see a tangible difference it's there it's still there and secondly is as you keep playing you have a gear system which lets you get items now these items and abilities as well Uh, can give you a uh, can give you an upper hand in battle so for example you could be wearing you know special batman gloves that let you uh, do 10% more environmental damage which means you can take an item or prop in the environment throw it on someone and do 10% more damage again nether realms claims that nether realm claims that uh, it doesn't affect gameplay that much and that can be switched off so then that brings me to the point why is it even there the only reason it seems to be there is okay there are crazy you know comic book and dc fans so let's let's milk them for all it's worth which to me 
to me, just seems like a way to do this, just to keep completionists and fanboys happy and milk them while while you're at it. And see, here's the thing, right? Uh, Netherrealm tried something just as shady with uh, Mortal Kombat X, where you could buy easy ways to do fatalities. Mm. That was the worst because you literally, some fatalities are like down, down triangle and they were like, uh, pay $3 or $2 to unlock one or three easy fatalities, which are consumables. And you just press triangle like, wow, I paid $3 <laughs> to save down, down. <laughs> yeah, so it's... So like that, when and they also advertised the... The DLC characters in the main menu in Mortal Kombat X, like if you had pre-ordered, if you hadn't pre-ordered it, they'd keep prompting you to buy Goro. Like he was literally there in the roster with like a buy button over there. Mm. So that was pretty, that was pretty bad of them. Yeah. So see in uh, this game for Injustice 2, uh, I can see that the standard edition is $60. The deluxe edition is $80 and it gives you three extra characters one exclusive gear shader and one premier skin, whatever that is. And there's an ultimate edition which costs $100 and you get nine characters, two exclusive shaders and three premier skins. So so in India, it's 3499, 4499 and 6999. Now, uh, while this is like asking someone to spend like 7000 on one game may seem like, uh, like you're saying, why would anyone do this? But that's just the state of fighting games, at least in the AAA scene right now. Uh, if you look at the smaller fighting games like the Ark system works, anime fighters like Blast Blue and Guilty Gear, they actually are much worse with this, but people give them a pass because every year there's a new game that comes out which is $60. Except this year they finally like realized that, okay, we can't rip people off again and just charge them $60 for like a few more characters and balance updates. So it's a $20 upgrade over last year's version, but they do this every year. In the case of Injustice 2, this game is gonna, like, it has to last for at least two, three years until uh, the next Mortal Kombat comes out or until they start work on the next Injustice. So, um, it's, while it may seem, like, really bad of them to, like, have an edition which is uh, $100, nearly double the price, and you just get nine DLC characters, that's just the state of things now. It's like Battlefield Premium. You, these are things you accept now in the AAA, uh, in the AAA gaming industry if you want these production values. And uh, Street Fighter V actually handled this much worse because uh, when you, uh, they just said initially when it had launched, there was a deluxe edition which included a character pass. Now everyone just assumed they'd get all the future characters. That became Character Pass 2016, which uh, Rishi actually suffered this when he bought it and he thought he was getting the complete Street Fighter V experience. Uh, then they released the 2017 edition of that and they're probably going to keep doing this every year. Uh, all of this is still better than how Microsoft handles uh, uh, editions for Forza Horizon and Forza because to actually get all the content in Forza Horizon, you have to spend $135. Even the Ultimate Edition does not have the expansion. So yeah, this so is Ultimate Edition of, and then you buy the expansion pass, right? Which yeah, gives so you the Ultimate DLC. Edition has a car pass, yeah. VIP and some other cars included, some that, other random Yeah, DLC. the VIP thing is just complete garbage. It just doubles the credits you get. It's that's really it. good. Yeah. It just saves time. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> th that's just how this thing is. Uh, when they announced this, uh, at first I was like, uh, $100 just for DLC, like I'd rather just wait. But then they're including a steel book, so there is some care or some whatever. They are putting some effort into this. I don't know. I, I don't think that this should be... this. While this might be the state of AAA... And I get that everyone's trying to go games as a service. 
great cool story bro but at the end of the day there is some sanity left if you look at near automata if you look at horizon zero dawn if you even look These at these are single player games even if you look at persona 5 single even if you look game. at uh, total war warhammer what they had done is in uh, in initially in the first week or so if you order if you pre order or something like that early buyers these people got to play as the chaos forces okay and it wasn't available to anybody ever so that's one good way to do an exclusive thi- uh, exclusive thing but uh, don't think i don't really agree with this approach that fighting games like are you're naming all single player games they are never going to get these kinds of things anyway uh, but it's happened before we've had live events in single player games before and it's something that microsoft seems to be pushing really hard with you know scorpio and e3 and all that coming around so i mean I- they are obviously going to shoe on microtransactions into everything i remember when i I started playing Forza Six. Like the game was garbage, and then there were microtransactions and card packs and all that. And I was like, "No, this game just is not worth my time." So, but this is just how it is. Like uh, uh, EA is trying something different with Battlefront Two. Like they they said that there won't be any premium or season pass, and everything will be free. But then they will have a loot crate system, and that's how you basically every AAA game is going to have this if it has any service component or is multiplayer focused. And also, it also worries me because at the end of the day, let's be honest. Most if if we think about it, people are going to vote with their wallets. People will come around and realize there are better games to play with less drama. Like for example. at least i this is what i've heard i haven't played it myself apparently injustice 2 story mode on mobile is the same as what it is on console okay so why would you pay full price for a game when you can because i don't think anyone buys a fighting game just for the story mode they buy it like to play it local when they call their friends over and stuff like that at least that's there like you wouldn't buy street fighter for that because it wasn't initially there there was no arcade mode But uh, I don't think anyone just buys a sixty-dollar game for the story mode. Uh, I mean, since we are talking about all these microtransactions and all, it reminded me of Andromeda points as well, and uh, some news regarding Mass Effect isn't there. So yeah, so if you if much like us, you like Mass Effect, uh, I hope you're fine with playing the old games over again because it doesn't seem like we're gonna get a sequel to Andromeda in this lifetime because EA has claimed that the Mass Effect series is on hiatus. while i mean while when i mean claimed it's that's what several sources have been reporting ea itself is giving the usual pr spiel of how they're evaluating every product and how they're committed towards mass effect andromeda but it's kind of obvious that we're not going to get a new mass effect game anytime soon yeah so in some ways this is extremely saddening because in my opinion at least mass effect hit like its peak with mass effect 2 and has never really been able to reach those heights even though mass effect 3 was actually a very good game overall i'd still say 2 was where they really like got everything right and were like at at their ultimate best uh, unfortunately with andromeda they chose to take a different direction that's fair enough you know it's not like a problem according to me but the problem is that they shipped an incomplete game which is something that you can't really excuse and it was always evident that if you don't polish the game enough if you don't complete the game and if you don't if you say that in the next 2 3 months we'll patch everything and we'll change everything and we'll give you the actual real version of the game uh, that's not going to fly with people and the reason the previous mass effect games sold were because they were really good and they were very nicely polished and they had you know so many things you could do in the game and it wasn't like you know 2 months after the game was released you still didn't have the full game So that's yeah. another problem with most games these days. It's a dirty patch culture. Every game seems to have a day one patch, and every day one patch seems to be more crucial. Which basically means if you're if you're playing on a PS4, Xbox One, or PC before you even consider upgrading your PC or buying a PS4 or an Xbox One or even buying games for it, you need to have a good internet connection. 
which is becoming another cost in itself and that's something publishers and developers don't seem to realize yeah and even if you do have a good internet connection it's not like the console you have will be able to max max it out all the time you know not every console is steam steam is something that even origin for that matter yeah if you have like a 50 mbps connection it will download exactly at 50 mbps sometimes even more but uh, playstation will download at half that xbox one is i mean another story altogether but xbox works fine for me no, no it, it does not internet. work fine for me at all like in in my house even maybe problem exists between uh, xbox controller and screen yeah sure <laughs> so between xbox controller and screen so yeah, so yeah, yeah. the console console <laughs> oh i see what you did there exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah sometimes it will give me like i don't know on a 60 mbps line which is what i have at my place uh, it will give me 55 56 mbps for like 5 10 minutes you should enable vsync yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> and then rest of the time it will go down to like 2 3 10 12 13 uh, it's really irritating that these consoles so cannot like download these updates fast how enough. how xbox handles updates and the internet is like we'll have a whole episode on this because yeah anyway so moving on uh, i think this patch culture is garbage we can agree on that but uh, i mean no matter what you want to say about the mass effect hiatus situation i think uh, universally we can agree that the hitman situation is much worse right oh yeah so for those of you who who've been living under a rock last week hitman is a long running assassination uh, stealth simulation assassination series and uh, it's had a very strong following in india as far as i know absolution did very well here and every game in the series has sold exceptionally well without question but with the new hitman or hitman 2016 or hitman world of assass enter world of assassination Trademark. as mike would call it <laughs> uh didn't do that didn't do that well according to some reports um hitman absolution did 3.2 million on pc while uh, hitman 2016 did all of 600000 now which is really really i think poor. it's less than that because that that number is just the first episode so that doesn't even count how many people actually bought the remaining and stuff like that because uh, they had an episodic structure for this and uh, it was like a proper triple a games as a service experience or something as they planned so uh it didn't work out well for them uh, i really liked the whole uh, the whole sandbox thing which they had i really liked sappy ends up but uh they f- the shoehorned online thing where your progress online and offline are different and uh, you can only unlock stuff while you're online and stuff like that basically annoyed me so uh like it's sad to see the studio basically being sold by square enix they're already in talks with uh, investors investors as they say uh yeah I, i don't want these online only games to get rewarded so yeah I mean, even though i have two copies of hitman but so they did get rewarded technically but uh appar- so what they did do apparently is they fi- when they finally patched the game in its final state they allowed you to play through an entire online uh, entire mission offline and when you went online you get the unlocks for that mission which is something they should have done from the very beginning but they didn't uh second thing is the franchise itself has been going through a bit of turmoil because while absolution sold really well it's uh it still didn't uh it didn't meet square enix's expectations at 3.2 million on pc and probably the same amount on consoles it didn't meet square enix's expectations so with hitman you'd have to assume the expectations were really high uh the problem is well it wasn't i mean while it was good it had so many issues at launch i mean i remember getting the getting to connect to the game and having a stable connection for more than 5 minutes was such a problem with us we had to play it offline and and that did impact the score and it's something that makes you wonder right who comes up with these ideas and if we go by square enix's track record 
it seems that because their mobile division is so ridiculously profitable that it can actually outweigh everything else in the company that they've probably exported some of the finest and brightest minds from their mobile division to fix things which frankly didn't need fixing all 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 they had to do is actually release a proper sing, uh, proper experience of hitman on disk and uh, and uh, and on digital which wasn't episodic which wasn't so dependent on online functionality i'm not saying remove it altogether put it there but put it there in a in a fashion that works for everyone it, and then sell like, it oh uh, it wasn't as bad as just cause 3 though like that online system was terrible like even if you play offline mode and choose to be offline if you just try going into the menu last i tried it just tries connecting and you're stuck in an endless loop over there though i won't be surprised if just cause 3 still did much better than hitman commercially oh yeah because just cause open world whatever so yeah uh the worst part about hitman is even when they did the disc release they still needed you to download 8 gb on ps4 and i think more on xbox one basically the uh, the disc release didn't even include the whole season yeah and on pc on the other hand if you bought the nice steelbook edition you didn't even get a steam code you got a code that required you to insert a dvd which had nothing but an activation to log into a website to get your steam code from so yeah basically uh, io interactive is suffering for poor decisions from square enix and and this isn't the first time it's happened to square enix they've already for more for better for better or worse they've killed off deus ex and now they prob- and now hitman's probably going to go as well though there are some rumors that suggest that io still have the rights to hitman and the second season will go on as planned it might just be under a different publisher some rumors suggest that we might see the likes of 2k we might see the likes of warner brothers stepping in but who knows i don't see anyone buying io interactive without the hitman ip true and then i also don't see square enix willing to let go of the hitman ip because they'll just get some garbage movies made or something like they're doing with sleeping dogs now Sleeping Dogs. Yeah, there's a Sleeping Dogs movie being What? made. When the game was technically based on another movie. No, because if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> uh, uh, they do have a Tomb Raider and Thief movies in the works. A thief game isn't happening though. Yeah, that, game that game. They've it. confirmed there's no Thief. So game yeah, basically, uh, the games which they aren't going to make anymore are getting they're wasting money making movies, and uh, I think someone at Square Enix has forgotten about the spirits within. So. <laughs> Or Advent Children. So at least that was good. Yeah, and let's not go there. Okay. I think it's time to move on. So the next topic on our list is the Legend of Zelda. So we are hearing rumors. This was, I think, a Wall Street Journal report which said yeah, that they are making a smartphone. Yeah, which basically means yeah. it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So long story short, uh, Wall Street Journal reports that Legend of Zelda is coming to mobile. It'll come to mobile after Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing is slated for the second half of this year. So there's a good possibility you might see Zelda at the end of this year or beginning of next year. financially financially yes and what's even more interesting is the report uh, also stated and i don't know how many people caught this that there's going to be a pokemon card trading game for mobile yeah. and uh, the pokemon company refused to comment nintendo refused to comment well let's just say that those make a very powerful combination because you already have super mario run you already have fire emblem heroes you already have pokemon go there's enough and there's mitomo so there's enough of an ecosystem in place that whatever else comes in uh nintendo can essentially create a network effect and allow people to you know do cool stuff and they already like making you use the smartphone for parental controls on the switch so they basically will want to tie in mobile and switch quite they also claim that they're working on an animal crossing game right earlier nintendo had announced that one yeah that's the one which is coming uh, in the second half of okay. this year yeah. yep. which we still don't know how they'll do it but i'm pretty sure it's going to be uh, uh something like happy home designer which is basically uh, that had i think 
thou- probably a thousand amiibo cards which you could scan and villagers come in and ask you to build houses for them and basically you use the stuff at your disposal put wallpaper chairs and all that and depending on what they wanted they'll be happy with it so i'm pretty sure there'll be something like that because that seems like the easiest uh, way to put micro transactions into animal crossing yeah so i mean there are two topics here which we need to talk about first is that will they go with a super mario run like approach of uh, probably I mean, not because uh, they didn't make enough money from super mario they were disappointed they made with it, much yeah. more from fire emblem heroes and uh, I I they may do one for Zelda but the thing is Zelda's had so many spin-off games and different versions of each game and also it'll be difficult to predict that Animal Crossing I definitely see them doing a free free to play thing with tons Yeah but of I can't see how like a game like Zelda would lend itself to the free to play with uh, microtransactions I mean, model There is a way a uh, couple of ways actually this could work out because Dena's worked on a game in the past called Battle Princess which is basically an endless runner but with combat elements they can end up doing something similar the wind waker art style would work really well uh or the other other way they can go forward with this is essentially make it into a turn based rpg or make it into a card collection kind of game or make but the point is let's be very clear here if any of you are expecting breath of the wild to show up on your mobile that is not going to happen and don't download any android games that look like that yeah, yeah. it's the not legend the wild let's not forget that one because those are like almost as bad as that ransomware thing so yeah yeah so point is that's not going to happen uh, expect something to be expect expect something to work intrinsically well with mobile so i'm expecting something to be probably turn based or if not turn based something that can operate with one hand i think it'll and be on a, and on a on portrait mode portrait basically. mode of your phone yeah i think it'll be similar to grand blue fantasy which is that gacha mobile game which is probably bigger than every other game we've spoken about on this podcast together like rishi would know based on the ads which they have oh, billboards yeah. in everywhere, japan everywhere everywhere it's it's a it's a crazy th- turn based co-op kind of thing which everyone So yeah I think it might be similar to that but there aren't that many characters in the universe for them to do that so I don't know how they'll do it but yeah like doing the whole turn based portrait thing probably how they'll do it Yeah or maybe an endless run of mode who knows I, I mean, hope it's not an endless run of That'd be cool It'll be as bad as Mario run <laughs> I, that'd be fun yeah and knowing Nintendo they'll probably make it like always online which uh, oh of course all yeah. these all these uh, uh, gacha type games are always online mm. so yeah that's not gonna change anyway moving on uh, since you guys mentioned Amiibo uh, there's this issue of Amiibo piracy that's plaguing markets I mean it's Nintendo an issue exists. for Nintendo yeah <laughs> so I mean with a little know-how and ingenuity and access to NFC tags you can essentially clone Amiibo and by cloning Amiibo, Amiibo functionality I mean Amiibo functionality so you might not have a nice looking Zelda Breath of the Wild Amiibo but you can get all the content associated with it through some clever reverse engineering and that's something that's been happening in emerging markets we've seen this happen in the Philippines we've seen this happen in uh, Bangkok in, in Thailand and other emerging markets where people have the expendable income but they don't have access to Amiibo so yeah, if you look at Amiibo not just as a uh, a nice thing to keep on your shelf but the fact that there's DLC attached to it it makes a lot of sense for certain people to capitalize on the fact that Nintendo is not producing enough of them just to basically sell NFC tags that let you replicate functionality and right now there's no way for it to be patched out if i'm not mistaken and you can just do that so what but people- the problem is uh, 
the people who data mined Breath of the Wild to get to know what was hidden in the game, basically, they found uh, data for Amiibo which haven't launched yet, like the mm. Majora's Mask, Skyward Sword, and Twilight Princess Link Amiibo, which are all releasing in July. So people who reverse engineer that use that data and they made NFC tags for unreleased Amiibo. Now, this is something that can be patched. Yeah, I mean, this is something where, uh, like in the past, people who... Uh, basically used hacks in Pokemon Sun and Moon online. Nintendo disabled eShop access on their console straight up, so they can't do anything now. Uh, I don't think they can do anything online except for probably watch YouTube or browser stuff. Uh, they aren't allowed to download any DLC in any game ever now. And it's a hardware thing which Nintendo has disabled for that console. So yeah. I wouldn't recommend if anyone's doing this using any of the unreleased ones at least. It's too risky. Yeah, and it also goes to show that at the end of the day, even though... Nintendo has embraced a more mainstream form of architecture, which is NVIDIA's Tegra chip. They're always going to make sure there are enough DRM switches in play to make sure you don't mess with their system. Yeah, well, it's a kind of a sad situation, but a bit of a gray area as well, as Mike mentioned. So next uh, thing that we want to talk about is Quake Champions. So Rishi, I hear this game is so awesome that you gave it a 12 on 10. Firstly, the game's not out yet. Secondly, <laughs> what I did play was a Quake Champions beta, which is yep. open to everyone. Yeah. Uh, well, what can I say? It brought me back 20, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when you know gaming was a lot more better, in my opinion. So the gameplay is really fast, really slick, really as Quake 3, as pure a Quake 3 experience as it can be, which is really, really cool. The rocket launcher works just as well. The railgun is epic. The lightning gun could have been a little better. Shotgun's epic. Uh, you essentially, it's called Quake Champions because you start off with one character and you can buy access to the others. Uh, for most part, it seems to work because all the characters have their have a very rounded skill set that they balance out. But each character also has one special skill. So like the ranger has a teleportation grenade of sorts. You play as a lizard who can spew acid and, and, and the like. Now... What's also what's weird though is that certain characters can do things that you would take for granted that you could do with every character in Quake 3 Arena. So, you know, like double jump uh, and, you know, basically stuff like double jumping, stuff like uh, being able to uh, have greater air control. And that's like restricted to certain other characters, which I find really annoying. But that aside, it's pretty much on par with how Quake 3 used to be, at least to me. So I'm very interested to see how this pans out. There have been some issues with the beta. For one, uh, it's very tough to get very tough to get into a game. I, I think I tried. I played for I think six hours, and I probably got into best case ten games, twelve games. The matchmaking was really bad, and yes, the skill ceiling is ridiculously high. So I, I was never that good in Quake Three Arena to begin with. But oh, I started off. I think my first game, I had, I got all of I killed all of four people and died like some twenty times, and that process. 20, 30 times of deaths and probably killing get, killing four or five people kind of repeated itself across. And it's not as gratifying or as a gentle learning curve as, let's say, Overwatch or Team Fortress. It's more like how counters... It's it's more... Uh, it, the emphasis on is on kills. is on and, on and yes, you can get points for assists. But let's be honest, you're playing Quake and you, you want to kill people. You're not in it for the assists. So the sense of gratification is purely tied into your skill and your skill at killing and your, your aiming and your reflexes. And while it's fun, uh, there is a bit of a learning curve. So it's, if it's something you want to get into, yeah, you can check it out. I think the beta is on till the end of uh, this week. Uh, it's an interesting experiment. I like the fact that it actually was so close to the original. At the same time, it looked so good. 
running quick uh, running the same engine as doom i think 2016's doom it's worth looking into but again if if you if you if you're the sort who's been brought up on shooters like call of duty or overwatch or team fortress 2 this is a very different beast prepare to like have your ego pummeled and crushed to dust yeah so yeah yeah we'll see how that goes anyway like uh, i mean even if the beta is not that good there's still hope for the game and you clearly like the beta i remember i think which game was that battlefield 1 where you didn't like the beta so much and yeah, then you ba- like the final game a lot yeah battlefield 1 was like a night and day difference between the beta and the final yeah, game and so i actually liked what they did here though uh, there is a bit more of a curve because uh, unlike other games you have to access the beta through bethesda's launcher So if you're the, if you're the sort who's di- who's a died in old PC gamer that means you already have you play you have Origin you have Steam you have GOG um and now you also have to put Bethesda's launcher which to me seems like overkill and you oh yeah battle.net so that's six six launchers battle.net or blizzard's own app so yeah six launchers right and to me it's just unnecessary they could have just done this on Steam I mean I get that Blizz- that Bethesda wants to own its interactions with users but come on man think about us for once yeah so that anyway so i think we can now talk about alan wake i believe the game is going to be taken off it's already soon. taken it's off. already gone it's yeah, gone the time we're recording yeah yeah so it was taken off entirely because its music licenses expired and there are some references to the songs used so i think it would have been too much effort for them to remove that's what i've read uh yeah so the music in alan wake was immense they they had stuff from Roy Orbison Nick Cave Poets of the Fall it was a very varied cool tra- a cool setlist the game itself was super atmospheric and the music had a large part to do, to do with it in my opinion uh the game itself was cool because uh it broke up each section into an episode so it felt like you were playing a TV show while Quantum Break did just a good a jo- just as good a job i felt that Alan Wake had had a mo- felt more authentic because again of the music tracks and the fact that in the world of Alan Wake unlike Quantum Break didn't have everyone using a surface laptop and a windows phone so it was more you could feel it's more immersive that way um and yeah it was a great horror game it was good fun to play it was uh, it just had the tragic it had the big tragedy of launching the same week as Red Dead Redemption <laughs> so didn't exactly sell as well but yeah the game's been taken off uh, steam xbox uh gog everywhere because of the music rights issue and it's really tragic because it's a fun game it's a great game and it also goes to show that the f- the the sheer fragility of digital purchasing i mean you let's be honest most people don't have to worry nowadays about pre-ordering because you always think that it's going to be available digitally that's the great part about gaming in this day and age right Let's also say that, but the reverse is also true that your games can just disappear. It's happened not, and Alan Wake isn't the first time this has happened. We've seen this happen with the Transformers games. We've seen this happen with Deadpool, where the Deadpool game was released back in 2011, 2012, got pulled, and then finally came back later. Same with the Spider-Man games. Same with the Wolverine games as well. And it's something people have to keep in mind that digital isn't equal to permanence. It's it ha- it suffers. almost similar if not greater risks than buying physical and to be honest i'd still say buy physical anyway yeah i mean think about somebody who had a very nice gaming pc back in 2012 when alan wake released and they bought it uh, on launch day and uh, maybe uh, they had a hard drive failure recently or something and they moved to a new pc no they uh, can still download it yeah they can get it then yeah, yeah, yeah. It it. From the if store. you've bought it you can get it but no hmm. future people can yeah, buy no it now and it, yeah. steam's uh, policy and gifting changing has made this even worse because what usually happens is when a game is going to get delisted 
people buy multiple copies just in case they know someone who wants to buy one or scalp basically uh now you can't actually buy games and keep them in your inventory hmm. like when uh, elite dangerous i think had a price mistake on steam for like 100 rupees i think i have four copies of that lying in my inventory <laughs> and i've given two away already hmm. so with alan wake i saw it was 84 rupees for the full franchise and seems i picked it up obviously without thinking then i'm like let me keep a few more and then i remembered steam just changed their gifting policy like a few days earlier so you can only gift it to people now you can't actually store it for the future hmm. so yeah like thanks a lot valve <laughs> Yeah but but I don't think that's the only thing Valve's done wrong this week. No it isn't. Yeah. So something happened to Steam forums and we've also heard something about the Steam summer sale, right? So let let's let's talk get about Get the good news out of the way first. No, yeah. let's get the Okay, good news out of the way, right? Yeah. So yeah, Valve Valve has basically removed the Steam user forums. <laughs> that's your good news for the week. Yeah. Uh for those of you who are unaware, the Steam user forums used to be a place for uh, like-minded gamers to figure out how to get certain games to run now while va- while steam has 1000 2000 3000 4000 games not all of them had maximum compatibility with the latest hardware or with a lot of hardware so the steam forums were a place where users could post fixes post guides and help people sort stuff out and suddenly without warning today valve decided it was a good idea to remove it altogether banished from the internet with no seeming backup yet yeah no backup uh no no intimation nothing the only proof that uh, at least at the time of recording this podcast the only proof of this happening was uh, a steam moderator or i think was a valve employee one of the two uh, saying on one uh, saying that yes the redirect from the steam user forums to the uh, to the steam community to steam community is official but that's it so i mean what the hell valve so basically I, uh, uh people helping out others for probably 1000 at least a 1000 games and how to get them to run on modern systems probably all gone they want everyone to use steam community and like you know the discussions hub for each game and do that but that's all fine but you don't remove so much stuff without warning where people can i don't think anyone has a backup of their posts also i don't know about that and it was really sad because it it used to be a place where valve's own developers when valve used to make games used to hang out so mark laidlaw actually was there and uh, did talk about certain things in the half life universe and all that's gone so I mean for all it's worth about Valve being the gatekeeper and purveyor of all things PC and PC gaming yeah it seems that our god has gone mad yeah well anyway so in things that the company is probably doing right i think the steam summer sale um, leaks are something that we should be talking about yeah like- so june 22 to july 5 allegedly is when the steam sale will happen this year the steam summer sale what it means yes is yes you can buy games cheap and for a lot of people it's probably one of the two times in the year they'll actually buy games on steam um what's interesting though is uh i mean we should i'm expecting to see some discounts on games like prey which in my opinion is super expensive at 4000 rupees hmm we should see discounts on other newer titles that that came out earlier in the year as well we might see some discounts on even halo definitive halo wars definitive edition which just hit steam a while ago hmm. but yeah expect a lot of discounts especially on triple a Uh, I won't be surprised to see Ubisoft drop price on For Honor and Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is, in my opinion, th- at three four nine nine on PC too expensive. But we should see it happen. Um, now, as to the as to how true these dates are, they seem to be legit because uh, it it was posted from the developer forum at Valve, mm-hmm. which means someone went through through went through great risks mm. and was probably going to get his account banned. But again, business as usual for the rest of us because year on year the the, the dates keep getting leaked. Yeah. So. Yeah, okay. 
So, I think we should move to the games we've been playing this week. Uh, Mike, you want to go first? I mean, uh, the collection of weird uh, and wonderful games that you keep playing. <laughs> Hipster Max. Yeah. yeah. I checked out that visual novel, by the way. I didn't play it. The PS Vita visual novel that you'd spoken Which about. Which one? There are like many. No, the one that you spoke about, I think, two episodes ago. You picked it up recently, you said. Uh, Period Cube. Period Cube, yeah. That looked very interesting. Okay. It's it's really nice. I, I ended up finishing, I think, uh, five of the routes. So, it, it was really good. Uh, worth playing, for sure. But... Uh, they treat the player as someone who has never played probably video games before because <laughs> when someone mentions login, there's a glossary thing which shows up and says logging into the computer <laughs> or something like that. I'm just laughing. Okay. No, but uh, I, I haven't really played much on the Vita then. I'm going to be doing it now. But uh, mostly been playing on the Switch, picked up uh, Minecraft, like probably my ninth version of the game. Let's see if this one lasts more than a few hours. Uh, been playing that, runs really well, looks good. Uh, still playing Zelda, obviously. Not done with it. Don't think I'm close to finishing it. And uh, been playing a lot of Disgaea 5 Complete on it. Like Rishi played that around launch. And yeah, I've been playing that. It's uh, much better than the PS4 version because it's portable now. Even though it does have some performance issues which pop up randomly, but still would play it on this. Or playing it on PS4, which is a strategy RPG which makes everything else feel like baby stuff. Yeah. And... Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, playing some Overwatch, like the competitive season's almost over and I haven't finished my placement matches still. So put in some time this morning. Uh, probably going to be playing a lot more once the anniversary event starts, I think in a few days. Hmm. So basically, yeah, that. Yeah, okay. So I, last week I forgot to talk about one game. It's called Kamiko. It's probably the cheapest game on the Nintendo Switch. So it is like a top-down retro action adventure slash puzzle it's game. like Legend of Zelda, one meets Hyperlight Drifter's art style, but in a more easy game, I guess. Yeah, much more easy game. Because uh, the game wasn't too hard to play, and honestly, I think uh, about, what, 3-4 hours is the most you'll need to finish it. If I think they, were, like they were very smart with how they released it, because uh, the art looks nice, the trailer looks really nice, and it's $5, and it's, yeah. since it's the cheapest game, and people are starved for games on Switch. Everyone's just buying it, so I'm pretty sure it sold really well. Yeah, them. yeah, I'm sure it sold really well. Like, I mean, as we were discussing the other day, now is the time to make money on the Switch. And people really underestimate the power of releasing things on oh, day one. Oh, so Disgaea 5 Complete on Switch actually has... Uh, uh, it's almost got as many pre-orders as the lifetime sales on PS4 in the West mm. already, so that's insane. Yeah. And uh, it's 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 crossed like 100,000 pre-orders in North America and Europe. And it only sold 20,000 in Japan, which is a huge deal. Hmm. So, yeah, like now is the time to somehow convince Nintendo your game is worthy of their platform because apparently for the first six months, they are not being as open as they should be and they're going to start allowing older ports after six months. Hmm. Because for the six months, they quote-unquote want stuff that will sell the console. But I don't know how so, true so that is. So basically, uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe port, uh, Breath of the Wild also on Wii U, Disgaea 5 Complete PS4 game, Puyo Puyo Tetris on every uh, console platform Except in Xbox Japan. One. It's on Xbox oh, One as that well. That's too shocking. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so Binding of Isaac even on iOS. So It's a port I, machine, man. So basically, I'm not sure what their policy is right now. But yeah, I'll take all these games because more portable gaming is better. So. And let's be honest, the only game that may not be a port that's coming out next is probably going to be ARMS. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because Platoon even seems like one at this stage. So yeah. <laughs> But no one's complaining. The games are good. Quality is nice. No complaints. So 
that's good to know yeah anyway so also i finally like uh, started playing steinskate as oh, well oh finally yeah. oh you are in for a ride yeah so i am like i think i've finished the prologue and i'm midway through chapter 1 now so i'm like okay. very early in the game uh, but yeah what i find interesting is that on ios even now they have like a separate iphone and ipad version and yeah because uh, uh, it's because the game released when the ipad had just launched or something yeah. or they had released an ipad version at that time and uh, the way that publisher and company works is when they localize stuff they will only localize what's ready Mm. If they are making a new game, they'll make it universal. Like when they released Corpse Party, it was universal. Mm. But uh, yeah, Steins Gate, unfortunate, had to buy both versions as well because yeah. it's the best visual novel ever. Yeah, so I am really enjoying it so far. And like, very the, much the best the part is you're still in chapter one. Uh, the first five six hours of this are like really boring compared to everything else that happens after that. Mm. And then everything makes sense. So yeah, so please tell me what these tips are about because randomly things keep happening and text appears in red and they say that this was added to tips. Oh, basically it's like a glossary thing for people who aren't familiar with many of the terms. Like I said with period cube, mm. except over there, like when it said login and when it said MMO, it was telling me the full forms. Like so, mm. <laughs> but over here, anytime there are references to like science, because this is a time travel visual novel, yeah. so they will have like a few lines about it, so you don't have to actually Google stuff, and it's pretty well done. Hmm. Uh, yeah, basically that. Yeah, also I really like the light tone of narration that's going on right now. The lead character, the scientist guy, he like keeps making fun of his own like, yeah, gadgets that he's he inventing. Yeah, because he is mad scientist. Yeah, exactly. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you'll also, get that reference in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm already like seeing that because it's been mentioned a couple of times. And yeah, anyway, so that's the other game I've been playing. And apart from that, there's this new DLC for Forza Horizon Three, Hot Wheels. Yeah, so I've been playing that. Uh, just finished reviewing it. Uh, was pretty interesting overall. Like it adds all these random stunt tracks and all that. But I kept feeling that you know if you're making a DLC, then you better ensure that all the cars that are in the game can like uh, use all the tracks that are there in the game. So in this, what happens is sometimes if you're using a, s- a slightly slower car, like uh, for example the Aerial Nomad, which is an off-road buggy. With like a steel frame, looks like a skeleton, and you know it, it, it's great. But problem is that it's not that fast. So uh, you can't go on the loop over here. No, you can go on the loop. You know, okay. like handling is perfect and all. But uh, there are some places where, like, uh, there's one area in that Hot Wheels DLC in particular where there's like a full-on huge hill, and you can't climb the top of that hill. Okay. In the middle of that, when the thing just turns around and you're facing, like, you're, the top of the car is actually facing the hill, your car just falls off and it falls on the hill <laughs> because there's not enough speed, right? So that happens, and then I mean, obviously, you can't expect like a Ferrari car to be able to handle all those turns with like, while keeping speed. Uh, but that that I'm still okay with. But I'm not okay with the fact that there are parts of the game which you can't access if you okay. have certain cars, even with the booster. That uh, oh yeah, they've boost. added that right. Yeah. yeah, but overall, yeah, pretty insane. I mean, it just it looks so good. Yeah. Like, just goes totally bonkers and you will be like looping around defying gravity and i mean it's it's totally over the top and i do enjoy that a lot and i think this is a very nice addition to the game and whoever bought the expansion pass this is the last dlc they'll get right that's it forza yeah. horizon 3 is now done i think yeah so the blizzard mountain thing was there and this is the next one so yeah i would recommend this for anybody who wants more content uh, i mean even if you don't really like the idea of dlcs or whatever still get it because this one is very very well done So yeah, Rishi. Oh yeah, so I've been playing a lot of uh, the true successor of Forza Horizon Three, known as Mario Kart, mm-hmm. and that's been quite good. Like been going through two, uh, 
I already fi- I'm already like I think at 100 CC. We've been playing a lot of the races, just trying to collect as many coins as possible, unlock as much as possible. So I've been playing a lot of that. Uh, been playing a lot of Injustice too for review purposes, and uh, yeah, basically those two. And yeah, Overwatch, a lot of Overwatch. Just been getting back into it. Been playing as Diva, uh, trying to you know get as many plays of the games as possible because the highlight intro for play of the game is epic hmm. so which basically is that selfie thing right yeah you yeah. take a selfie as your mech explodes it's damn cool so yeah. we're playing a lot of that uh and mainly yeah they've been playing these three games for now looking forward to seeing what happens with uh, e3 coming up i'm i'm thinking we'll see some surprise announcements around there who knows we might see we might see some early announcements for uh, assassin's creed for far cry Maybe maybe some news on Crackdown Three. So looking forward to that. And yeah, probably gonna play Phantom Dust next since that's free on Xbox One. Yeah, Phantom Dust is coming out. I think it's one day after we are recording this. Yeah, I think. I, no, mm. it's actually the day we're recording, sixteenth. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so tonight, basically. Yep. Free with microtransactions that are totally optional. <laughs> <laughs> but it's free. All right then. So I guess that's all we have for this episode of Transition and we will see you with another episode next week. As always, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram at Gadgets360 and you can also email us with your questions, comments and feedback at podcast at Gadgets360.com and the music for this episode comes from Magnus Solai Paulson whose album PPP PPP is where all the tracks are from. <laughs> <laughs>